You're listening to the Happy People Podcast with Nye Armstrong. Today's guest is Sajad Shaw. He is the man behind the viral Instagram account, Muslims of the World One, and Minder, which is a Muslim marriage app. He was a CPA who left the corporate world behind to focus on telling stories, connecting people, and helping people find their partners in a digital age where we are as isolated as we are linked. The driving mission, I guess, of his life seems to be connection. But while I was talking to him, I could see the connection really wasn't of the trappings and pitfalls and drama of this world, but with connecting people and striving for something greater than what this world alone can provide. He is truly fascinating, and he is very quick-witted and outgoing and personable. And you can see how he extracts those stories from other people. And it was interesting for him to tell a little tiny, tiny snippet of his. At the start of this episode, he's telling me an amazing story he featured on Muslims of the World One, a story that continues to change lives today. To support more episodes like this, please check out my Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash happypeoplepod. Let's connect with happy people, diving deep on everything. Happy people with Nye Armstrong. So they're kind of nervous, shy, scared. They don't know what to do. So the mother takes the hijab off, uh, takes the photo. Uh, the oldest sister takes the hijab off, takes the photo. Youngest takes the hijab off, takes the photo. But then when it came to Hala Atik's story, this 13-year-old Syrian girl, she said, I'm not taking my hijab off for this photo. Well, now the customs are kind of like taken back, and they look at this little girl, and they say, well, if you don't want to take this hijab off, you can go back to Syria. Mm-hmm. And this young 13-year-old girl responds, well, I'd rather go back to Syria than stay in a country that's going to take away like my religious rights. Mm-hmm. So now you have like this... 13-year-old Syrian girl in an airport, you know, the mom's there, the sisters are there, the dad's not there, they speak broken English, they're refugees, they don't have anything, very few items, few belongings, and they're going back and forth with security and customs. So then what customs ends up doing is they take this little girl and they put her all the way in a back room, and they make each family member go to her separately to convince her to take her hijab off for the photo. Mm-hmm. Mom goes, she's like, listen, just take it off. It's, you can just take it off, the photo, you can put it back on. She tells her mom no. Next sister comes in, convinces her, tells her, t- she, the answer is no. The sister after that comes in, couldn't convince her. Then she actually, the young girl actually says, it doesn't matter who you bring back here, I'm not taking my hijab off for anybody. Two and a half hours passed. And then finally security and customs says, okay, keep your hijab on, you can take the photo. So they take the photo. And at this point, the mom and the rest of the family are super upset with this girl. And they pick the bags up, run to the next gate. The, um, the plane took off, and they missed their next flight. So now they're like, what do we do? We're supposed to go from you know, New York back to California, meet you know, Bubba, see him, and it's a huge disaster. Mm-hmm. So the mom's upset. Everybody's upset. They finally go back to you know, uh, American Airlines you know, head, uh, management. They tell them, hey, this is what happened. This is the situation. What can we do? They finally say, okay, hey, there's a flight from New York to LAX Mm -hmm. at 9.30 p.m. We'll put you on that. So then they get on this flight from New York, fly all the way to LAX, and they land. And the entire flight there, 
the mom is just like upset and like yelling at this young Hala Atik for being so stubborn. Mm-hmm. When they land in LAX, they find their father there. Mm-hmm. And their father is running and racing to them. Like he's like pushing people out of the way. And he comes and picks them up, kisses his wife, kisses his daughters. And you're like, and he's like, you're alive, you're alive. And they're all looking at him like, yeah, why wouldn't we be alive? He ended up then informing them that the flight that they were supposed to get on, American Airlines number 181, crashed, killing 292 people. Wow, subhanAllah. So it's the biggest crash in American Airlines history. And then this young Syrian girl, Hala Atik, looks up at her family and says, hijab saved our family's life. Hmm. Now, when we put this story out on Muslims of the World, it was about a year and a half ago. Over 40 to 50 million people ended up reading and watching that story because the story went viral. Now, out of that story, out of the people who watched it, there was a Hispanic girl named uh, Celine who read the story in New York City. She was on Facebook one day. Muslims of the World story popped up. And she said, oh, what's this all about? So she read the story, and she was just in tears crying. A week later, she converted to Islam. Wow. Just from the power of that story. So when you hear things like this, and when people say, well, why are you doing, sh- like, why are you st- sharing stories? What's the purpose? Stories are such a powerful tool. Mm-hmm. And if you can, you know, eloquently share a story to somebody, whether it be their Muslim, Christian, Jew, whatever, if it's a beautiful story, and it happens to be related to Islam and Muslims, you have the ability to change somebody's mind about the religion or even change somebody's heart about the religion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's why I love doing what I'm doing. What would you describe your mentality when you're in that nine to five CPA job? Yeah. You know, I think that like the beautiful thing about Islam and the Quran is that it's a religion that really makes you expand your brain and mm-hmm. think about like down the road. Yeah. Like everything about Islam tells you that, hey, you know, you're going to you have a day that you're going to be held accountable for your deeds and there's going to be a fire and there's going to be a garden and all those things. So when you think about that, it puts your brain in the mindset of, OK, think down the road. So the problem with like accounting and these nine to five jobs is you're not thinking down the road. You're going there and you're just doing boring work, day to day work, and you're just like trying to get to the weekend. Mm-hmm. And everybody, you know, there's, a, there's obviously a popular quote, you know, living for the weekend. Right. Well, I mean, if you're just living for the weekend, you're really not getting anywhere. And unfortunately, what I've noticed is even a lot of Muslims have fell into that mindset, living for the weekend. So I'm not trying to live for the weekend. I'm trying to live for the next, you know, the akhirah. Yeah. So with that being said... I mean, I think that that mindset of nine to five, it entraps you. And in a way, it's like a prison. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to be entrapped like that, you're never going to get anywhere. So you have to pull yourself out of the system and really think about what you want to do down the road. What was the impetus to get you to post that first post on Muslims of the World One? I think that a lot of the Muslim youth are struggling. Um, You know, they're struggling with alcohol. They're struggling with drugs. They're struggling with sex and all these different things. And they go to the masjids and they don't find any support there. Um, and I don't think it's that the masjids are purposely doing that. It's just a lot of these masjids are run by older generations. And those older generations, they want to see, you know, um, you know, they just want to fundraise for bigger masjids. Like, that's their only goal. And when that's your only goal, well, then, I mean, for example, some of these masjids are empty. Mm-hmm. And they'll still say, we have to build a bigger masjid. Yeah. It's like, what are you guys even thinking? Yeah. So when that's your mindset, well, then don't expect the Muslim youth to really have any support system. And don't get upset when you find them at you know, the hookah bar. Mm -hmm. So I think that what I wanted to do with Muslims of the world is just share stories so that people can say, hey, like I have a community. 
Like I wanted this to be a platform for the Muslim youth. Mm-hmm. What I ended up figuring out is that it actually became a platform for you know young professionals, for older adults. I mean, we have grandparents that even you know read the Muslims of the world stories and love it. So yeah. that was the original reason. That's amazing. Like the thing that I find most inspirational of like actually going through the post is that is there's something for everyone. Yeah, you can go in there and it's going to hit a nerve. Absolutely. Whether or not this one, it's going to hit the next one. Mm-hmm. And it's really, truly inspiring. The one that really... Is it the one where I featured you? <laughs> 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 I'm trying to think. Which was my favorite story? I think uh, the one that you featured me. No, no, no. Oh, gosh. That's actually... That's not even me. That's um, that's Justin. He's such a character. That's and so, so fun. That's so Literally, funny. he's like one of the nicest guys. <laughs> you'll ever meet and his partner Gary is just sweet as can be that was truly memorable (laughs) (laughs) but I'm not that egotistical that's so funny (laughs) but I wonder okay so I'm really curious about Minder yeah because you have a heavy hand in that I'm sure the name Mm -hmm. do you have to fight against it okay so what's really interesting is this um you know, the people that run Minda, our team, I would say that we're actually fairly religious people. Right. Like, we take Islam seriously. Like, we pray and we fast. And so, like, some people are Michelle. like, oh, my God, like, you guys have the name Minder. I think the name Minder came, a big part of it was also a, a huge marketing tactic. Right. A, a strategy. I mean, yeah. Minder, it's like, oh, my God, you bring this up in, over dinner. You bring this up amongst your friends. It's you like put this taboo almost. Yeah, exactly. Well, in the beginning it was. Now, not so much. You're so right. And that's what's so interesting. So from a marketing perspective, when we first started Minder, a lot of the, like, you know, it's this Desi term, like Haramis were, don't, were, were downloading it first. And they may be about Oh, my God, wait. It. What does that say about me? I was an early adopter. <laughs> <laughs> so then, yeah, you're a Harami. No, 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 no. Well, okay, okay. I, no, I'm joking. But it like, makes you know, perfect like, sense example, now. No, for example, like, you know, we didn't see any hijabis uh, yeah. initially. When we start, when I we, might have been the we, only one. Yeah, you may have been the only one. So, but when, uh, what ends up now happening is like so many of my religious friends are on Minder now. Yeah. So it's not any longer well, like this this idea of like, oh, well, only like liberal Muslims use Minder. No, like the ones like teaching youth halakas are using Minder. Yeah. The ones giving Jummah khutbas are using Minder now. Seriously. So, it really I mean, is like you, that. Would, you would be surprised. So, you know, at the beginning, so actually we look back at it now and it's like, yeah, uh, some people might have this idea because obviously there's this. Um, there's this uh, direct correlation with Minder and Tinder, obviously. But uh, the truth is, I mean, a lot of really good catches are on Minder now. And that's why mm-hmm. so many people are getting married off Minder, too. Um, well, it's so, interesting. Yeah. If you look actually at the marketplace, there's only like one or two direct competitors, I yeah, guess, that are on your level. Those. No, we won't. Um, I've, they're garbage. I've tried, I've, I've tried them all. And like the one that I'm thinking of, uh, it's like Uncle's overseas uncles yeah. like, like you don't want that no you don't want to marry an overseas uncle <laughs> i'm just saying Maybe but like with this one i know like you um batted around the idea of changing the name yeah actually so uh i remember harun and actually what's interesting is even harun so what's crazy like is you we, sent a questionnaire in the app yeah we did we yeah did. we sent a questionnaire and we also sent one out on muslims of the world but what was interesting is this so last weekend i was with harun Mukhtazarda, who's the ceo of minder mm. and he said hey sajad i want you to do something we have a ton of people get married and engage off minder but then what ends up happening is we ask them to do testimonials mm-hmm. and they say no yeah okay so, so then what ends up happening is i'm like okay so if we don't have 
if we can't show anybody that Minder's working, then of course people are going to be like, oh, it's just an app where people mess around with. So we actually asked people, um, Haroon told me, hey, Sajad, do a little survey and ask some people if we change the name from Minder to something else, would they be comfortable with doing testimonials? And the answer was actually still no. Uh, so I think that there's more of a stigma towards meeting a spouse on an online. app or online still has nothing to do with Minder or whatever the name is that we use. It's more about this this concept in in, in Muslim ki- people's minds, mm-hmm. um, which I think that it needs to be changed because now, I mean, uh, the other ways are not really working that well either. You know, I mean, you see, uh, the divorce rate is now high amongst the Muslim community as well. So Minder is more of an app where, hey, you now have a better chance to meet either more people or somebody who's more compatible with you because you can have filters that say, you know, um, certain things that where people can like match your up religiosity, with you. religiosity. Mm. Um, are you Sunni? Are you Shia? Do you drink? Do you smoke? All those things are filters that you can have now with Minder um, that allow you to find somebody that you might be more compatible with. Yeah. Um, did you find that being in these two, because it's almost complimentary. They're complementary, yeah. and then they're also on two different sides of things. Yeah, so it's very interesting. One's more very public, one's very private. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, I think that, um, you know, so initially what happened is we used the Muslims of the World platform to grow Minder. Mm-hmm. So because obviously Muslims of the World has such, such a big following, we were able to use it to promote Minder, share a few of the testimonials that we did have. We do have testimonials of some people. We just, there should be way more. Like, we should be having, you know, 20, 30 testimonials a month. Um but we use Muslims of the World definitely to help grow Minder. Um, but at the same time, Minder is now like an app that it's very it, it stands on its own. It generates the usability revenue. is so much nicer than exactly like I mean, anything else. Yeah, we definitely uh, took a lot of time. Haroon brought in a lot of developers to fix the app, fix glitches. Um, and then the other thing is, people need to realize that Minder is very new. Mm. I mean, a lot of these apps people use Instagram, Facebook, they don't realize that these apps have been out there for so many years. Mm-hmm. So when, of course, they don't have bugs now because they took all this time to fix it. But Minder became instantly popular. So we ended up having this influx of people. And then people are like, oh, the app is glitchy. Well, I mean, yeah, because the app is very new and we're still kind of working to get those bugs out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, You're what? thinking about Minder now. Yeah, I know. It's all up in my head. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, in your life it could be work life or private life what is the biggest adversity you had to overcome oh wow um and like what tools did you earn from going through that that you carry with you today that's such a great question alhamdulillah my life has been really easy like i or i maybe look at things differently like i'm very like uh like a committed person if i put my mind to something i try to make that happen and when you have that mindset I was telling one of my friends, actually, just this dunya is just going to keep testing you. Yeah. Like it's whether whether you're in a bad marriage, whether you're, even if you're in a happy marriage, mm-hmm. you're still going to find things that really just can knock the wind out of you. So I think that my views on like, I just don't care about anything. Like I tell people, like if I if I lose my car tomorrow, I just don't care. I mean, I'll, I'll go traveling. I'll bring like a a few pairs of underwear and a t-shirt and jeans and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I'll go to like 10 different states. Mm-hmm. So I think just living simple and just being content, if you if you have that mindset, then you're never let down or you're never like, oh my God, this is something I have to overcome. Um, so it's more just about mindset. But I have a, a very determined mindset and I think that that's, that's what you need to make it in this dunya because this dunya is hard. I think when you're up against certain things, 
like your how you come to a difficulty is water off a duck's back. I'm just gonna let it roll over me because it's yeah, it's just part of the nothing together. matters. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. You can make a big scene out of some things, but it just doesn't matter. So. Yeah, and so I think that's a really healthy mentality to go through. Did you ever like um, with mental health or anything like that? Did you ever get to a low point and then have to dig yourself out, or you just maintain a constant level of almost like semi-detachment. I would say that I have mostly a mindset of like semi-detachment. And I'll tell you why. I do a lot of mission trips. Mm. So like I go to Syria. I went to, I just, three weeks ago I was in Bangladesh. And you know, in Bangladesh I met women who were raped by 30, 30 men. Then they were lit on fire, like the Burma women, the Rohingya. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, man, what do I have to complain about? Like, what, my iPhone is not, like, is out of battery? Like, I mean, I literally have nothing to complain about. And I think that's why it's so important. I would really recommend if anybody's listening to this, go out there and do mission trips. Because when you do that, your worries, your concerns, it's not that they're nothing. Because everybody's worries and concerns obviously give that it should have some merit to it. But, I mean, there's people literally you know, Muslim women that are, their husbands are being shot in front of them right now. Whether it's, you know, there's, there's Yemeni, little Yemeni children that are starving to death. Um, you know, I mean, just even last week when we, or two days ago when we went to Michigan to give this bus driver his $20,000 check, I mean, an old Palestinian man who, you know, volunteers at this multicultural academy in Michigan, he volunteers there because most of the students there are refugees. So he absolutely loves the students. And he's dropping these kids off. And he's driving this bus. And he rubs up against a car. He had no idea. Now, when you're driving a bus, you're not going to feel small things. He accidentally hit somebody's mirror. And he steps, you know, drop, stops about 10 feet later to drop off at one of the kids at a stop. And the two men who own that car, um, they came onto the bus when the doors opened. And they just punched him and punched him and punched him. An old Palestinian man. And then when he finally regains consciousness, the first thing he says is, are, are the kids okay? And then he finds them and he kisses each one of them on their foreheads. And I'm like sitting here like, what an amazing person. Like if it was me, I'd be like, oh my God, like I'm, I'm going to quit my job. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm so depressed. I mean, you know, he was struggling financially. On top of struggling financially, he got whooped so bad. I mean, so bad. The video is so disgusting. I don't even like watching it. Mm-hmm. And I posted it on Muslims of the World, but I posted it once. I never watched it again. Um, it's still on the page if anybody wants to view it. But that's why I made it like my job. I said, I want to raise this guy money. And not just that, I want to bring it to him. Like we had a big check printed off. Like, And then I had the kids that were on the bus surprise it with uh, surprise it to him. And then, you know, that Channel 7 came, Channel 2 came. And he was just crying and he, when he got that. And his response was, Allah is the most just. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's all about mindset. It, it's all about mindset. And, and even that old Palestinian man, he probably went through a lot of you know, garbage growing up in Palestine, you know, the the drama and the politics there. And that's what made him tough. So I think that people just need to be resilient and they need to be tough. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, if you want to just play the victim card, nobody cares. Yeah. Did you always have this mentality or is this since you've yeah. been like, you've always had it? I kind of actually have always. I, I, you know, I, I my family were a pretty determined family, my brothers as well. And... Yeah, I just think it's the only mentality to have, really. I mean, the whole feel sorry for yourself or that, oh, man, I'm not going to be able to do this. It's just a week. Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has designed us in such a great way, and we just have to learn how to use our potential. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you're fulfilling your potential? 
no, I think that I have so much more to do. What do you want to do? Um, I really want to get to a point where the whole world, and I know this is a lofty statement, but if you don't dream big, you'll never, you'll never achieve it. But I want to change the way the world sees Muslims. And like, I really want the world to be like, wow, these Muslims are such valuable people to our society and to our community. We can't afford to let our president talk about them like this. Mm-hmm. Or we can't afford, you know, uh, politicians to make, you know, unjust rulings about Muslim people. I want Muslims to be that strong and that influential. Uh, with the Muslims of the World book, have you seen a reaction uh, amongst non-Muslims? Oh, my God. Non-Muslims love the book. Uh, I've had so many friends show me. I mean, they put it in their Christmas stuffings. Like, they're, like, you know, it's hanging <laughs> off their, you know, their, their fireplace and stuff. You know, Christmas mus- stuffings. Yeah, those Christmas little whatever, whatever you call stockings, them. Yeah, yeah, stockings. Yeah, stockings. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm not Christian. <laughs> it's okay. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I need to be more well-equipped with no, the no judgment. culture. Yeah. <laughs> well, Christmas if you need help, stockings. I'll help you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank yeah. God we have you. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so, so yes, we uh, they were putting it in their uh, little stockings, and it was like it was just so cute because they have a Christmas tree and they have this Muslims of the World book hanging out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean it's the the normal American person is are good people. Mm-hmm. They're good people. People are good normally. There's a few bad apples that ruin it for a lot of people, but I've met so many amazing non-Muslim people, and I mean I love them. I think they're sometimes more supportive than the Muslim people. Yeah. Do you, like, this is such a, it's an interesting way to do dawah, which is sort of like sharing the message. Absolutely. Uh, Because once you get to, like we were saying earlier, like, sparking, the story sparks so much. Yeah. And it's super helpful. Um, Now, Muslims of the World is now delving into documentaries? Yes. So now what I, the original was, you know, we were doing these posts, these short stories, we were posting them on Instagram. The problem is Instagram, you can't put, even though you can put a, a decent amount of substance in there, it's not an, to the point where I want. Mm-hmm. I want people to really be moved by these stories of Muslim people. And, and you know, five, ten minute documentaries, you can do that. Um, so we're not going to do like, you know, two hour, three hour long documentaries, more like five, ten minute snippets. of, for example, the story that I just shared about Hala Atik, if we turn that into a documentary... And we went there and we interviewed her and we showed what she looks like today and how she still wears hijab today. I mean, that would be an amazing documentary that people would share with, you know, all kinds of people at schools, with students, whatever. Do you feel like people, even though some people may be reticent, but do you find that the more people share their personal stories, the closer everyone becomes? Oh, my God, yes. And I swear that is like, you know, this Friday, um, uh, this Friday, I have a fundraiser with Linda Sarsour for Yemen. And one of the things that I've realized about, you know, sometimes I ask myself, why is my heart attached to, you know, Yemen or Rohingya or Syrians? Because I'm Pakistani. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, it's because I've been to those countries and I've experienced, you know, the smiles on the children's faces and I got to know them. So when people, you know, say these, well, you know, 10 kids in Syria just died. Well, that really is not going to affect any of us Mm-mm. because it's just, okay, cool. Well, ten people died in Yemen, thirteen people died in Bangladesh. Doesn't affect us because actually our hearts have just gotten used to that. But when you go to Syria and you play with the children, or you uh, listen to a mom struggles and you figure out her favorite food and her favorite color and her name and how her age, and you start learning about these people, that's when you fall in love with these people. And then when you hear 
this bomb dropped on Syria, you immediately think, oh my God, is Khadija okay? Is Aisha okay? Is Muhammad okay? So that's why it's so important to get to know one another. And that's what these stories do. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh my God, thank you so much for having um, me. Is there anything that you want to promote? Um, I think uh, I really just want people to go out there and just to be uh, a little more empathetic, more caring, more loving towards people. And I think that if we Muslims can do that, uh, we really can change the way the world sees Muslims. Inshallah. Jazakallah khair. Thank you so much.